Welcome to the Raising Parents Podcast. We are so excited you've joined us today, and we want to give you some support for the journey of parenting. I'm Amy Adwell-Palker, Associate Pastor of Family Ministries here at Highland Park Community Church, and today I'm joined by Ryan and Aaron Ford. We're talking about your marriage from surviving to thriving in the early years of parenting. And I'm just so honored to have friends and congregants here at Highland Park with us to share some of their journey about parenting and the little years. And they are still in the thick of it. So these experiences will be fresh and meaningful. Ryan and Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Appreciate you having us. My pleasure. Well, I met you guys through one of our Sunday morning book studies, and it was called Lifelong Love, and I just so enjoyed your intentionality in your marriage and getting to know you guys and the other young couples. So thanks for being here today, and can you just tell me a little bit about how you guys met and your marriage and family? So I like Erin's version of the story better myself, but she tells me that mine is the best. Uh, So I was out with friends after work one night, and I noticed this very pretty blonde lady sitting across the, the restaurant from me, and she was ha- obviously hanging out with her co-workers. And I watched her for quite a while, and then I turned to the guy I was with, and I said, see that girl over there? I'm going to marry that girl. And he just kind of brushed me off and whatever. And Aaron left that night, and I know I saw her look at me and wink at me on her way out the door. She's shaking her head now. She denies it. But I know she saw me, and she had to be impressed at that point in time. (laughs) So I didn't see her for a little while after that, but I promise you I spent every night out in a different restaurant or different place looking for Erin just in case that she was out. And a couple weeks later, I actually did run into her. And again, I stared at her all night. He really did too. I, we were out and I noticed out of the corner of my eye, like this guy is just staring at me and it's kind of, kind of different. So <laughs> I just keep watching him out of the corner of my eye and got up to leave and he was right in my face. Yeah. I wasn't going to let her get away again without asking her out. Well, I didn't even ask her. I told her, <laughs> I said, I'm going to take you to dinner. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I admired the guts. So I said, yes. And my coworkers were all out waiting outside the door for me to make sure that I was safe and good. With Mace and Vase. Yeah, with that. Mace. Yeah, definitely. So how long did it take from that first date until you guys knew this is serious, this is going somewhere? Well, I knew from the first time that I saw her that it was serious and going somewhere and it was going to be that way. I don't know how long it took for Aaron. Um, I think we dated for several months probably, but towards the winter of, what was that, 2015 or something, I kind of knew that this was going to be what I wanted long-term, so. Awesome. So what year did you get married, and then how kids and that progression? So we got engaged in May of 2016 and then got married in July of 2016. So um, I wanted to get married on my mom and dad's anniversary in Jackson where they also got married. And so we put together kind of a quick thing and ran off with our closest family to Jackson and got married and had a great weekend and an awesome celebration and then had about nine months of running around and traveling and going to all over the place, Costa Rica and Hawaii and just having a great time. And then we're pregnant by June of that next year. So June, 2017, we were pregnant and entered into 
the phase of parenting. Wow. Yeah. When we look back on that, not too much. Yeah. Went through pretty quick. I'm not a spring chicken. And (laughs) we decided if if we're going to have kids, it's important to have the the energy and the time to be able to, to spend with them. Now, Ryan and Aaron, you both came to marriage as professionals. Ryan, you work in law. Aaron, you're a therapist. So you're bringing, you were adults and established in your career when you became married. What was that transition like going from independent professionals to trying to meld these already somewhat established adult lives into one in marriage? I think on my end, it was probably easier uh, my job is not necessarily the traditional eight to five like Aaron's is. Uh, I can be on call at any time to go anywhere in the state to investigate accidents or any bad thing that happens. And also just the nature of my business and the deadlines. Judges and courts don't really care if you have vacation planned or if you have something personal going on in your life. They tend to say the deadline's the deadline. And so it's it's often that I would have to work through the night or over a weekend. I know that was hard on Aaron, uh, but I don't think as far as me adjusting to Aaron's life was as hard as it was for Aaron to adjust to my availability at times. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we just kind of had lifestyles established and I had, you know, independent self-care stuff and work and everything that kind of kept me busy. But I do remember having... Uh, struggle with some of the late night and marathon times that were, you know, obviously not in his control. So, all right. So just a different rhythm of work was a challenge Mm -hmm. to figure out. Now I'm thinking of that old rhyme. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby and the baby carriage. How long had you been married when you found out you were expecting and what changes did that bombshell news have on your relationship? So we had been married under a year when we found out we were pregnant with Reagan, our first. Um, And so I think just initially, I remember Ryan saying, you know, when we found out we were so thrilled because we were, you know, trying. And so we were super excited, but then just instantly the changes in myself and, you know, the changes, one of the things that I rely on and have my you know, whole life to really stay well is, um, exercise and CrossFit. And I like to go really hard and you cannot do that when you are, Mm. you know, newly pregnant and sick and things like that. And so that was a really big adjustment for me right away. And I think all the emotions that came up with that and being sick and, um, working and things like that were, you know, initially a lot for me to deal with. And then, um, for Ryan to deal with also. Yeah, Ryan, what was that like for you observing these changes to your relationship that happened with the announcement of the pregnancy? Uh, the first announcement is is awesome and amazing. It's like, what a blessing. This is so cool. And then the next thought is, oh, no, we need a new house. <laughs> and then the thought after that is, what's wrong with Aaron? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Why does she seem slower? Why does she seem quieter? Why, mm-hmm. why does she seem like she's sick all the time? Or why, why isn't she enjoying the things that she used to enjoy as much? Yeah. Or why does she get so mad when I go out with my friends now the mm. same way that I used to before? <laughs> hmm. So and it so was the, clear that things were shifting. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. 
How did you feel about those changes? Did you have any like friends going through similar things or anywhere you could turn Ryan to get some support for these new realities? I, I don't think that I, I did. I, I took a lot of comfort in knowing that that was something that we wanted to have happen together. Mm. And if, if that's something that we have that we were going through together, then I wanted to be there for Aaron. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's always been, he is most definitely always been the steady one for Mm. us. And so mine has been, you know, looking back now over all the different transitions we've been through and all the, you know, ups and downs I've been through with, you know, pregnancy and changes and all of this stuff. He has consistently been steady and consistently just, you know, been my rock. And so now it's interesting to look back on all of that and obviously be so thankful for that. But you know, and when we have these kind of conversations to really step back and think about how that has impacted him as well, mm. which helps me think about how to be more intentional down the line with, you know, I mean, life is just a bunch of transitions all the time. And yes. so whether it's, you know, pregnancy or jobs changes or, um, you know, all those kind of things moves, it's just me learning also how to be more intentional and communicate more effectively and take care of myself in the middle of those things. So, you know, Poor Ryan doesn't have to figure out how to, you know, be the superhero through all of that. It's easy easy to just sit here afterwards and and look back and say, oh, everything was fine. But I I do think in the beginning when we found out we were pregnant that everything was really good. And I I don't know that a whole lot changed until later on Mm. when – when things with the pregnancy become a little more demanding on the body, on the mind, uh, when we were married and even at the beginning of the pregnancy, Aaron had a great career that she was still able to, to go through. And I, one of the things that attracted me to Aaron so much was that just her love and her passion and her enthusiasm for the work that she does. And, at first, the pregnancy didn't necessarily impact that, but as you go through and you get closer to the end of that nine months, it has a huge impact on it. And I and I think later on is where you really start to see, now I have to be more intentional about asking Erin, how is she doing? How's everything at work going? Because you can just see in her eyes and you can see it on her body that this is getting old and sometimes mm. this kind of sucks. Yeah. I think sometimes in the United States, we live in like a genderless society to the degree that men and women can pursue whatever career they want and educational path. And then we are surprised when in marriage, in pregnancy, in childbirth, in nursing an infant, there are real differences to those experiences for the mother and the father. You use the word roller coaster earlier on and it is such a roller coaster for a marriage to experience the birth of a child and all the changes that come with that unfortunately years five through ten are the most common years that couples get divorced and often that's right in the crux of getting pregnant giving birth having children and just all the stress and exhaustion and the demands of that phase of life it's such a blessing but it is so intense. So tell me about what it was like for you with the birth of your first baby. Oh my gosh. It was just about a 180 degree flip for sure. I'm sorry. Talking into the microphone. Um, just a complete 
just switch. You know, I mean, I am, like Ryan said, I'm very invested in my work and very invested in my, you know, CrossFit and my friends and my life and all of this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden I have this baby, you know, and it is so not about me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's, oh, it's hard to admit sometimes just exactly how self-centered, you know, you become once you're, I guess I was what, 34, 34 when I had my first baby. And so, you know, I'd been thinking about me for a long time. And so, I mean, just such a switch to just not really be focused as much on not, I mean, still fully taking care of myself, but not, you know, the baby takes up every bit of your time and your sleep and your self-care and all of that kind of stuff. And so it was a huge switch for me. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing. So honestly, how about you, Ryan? What was that like when the baby came home? I think it's significantly different for the dad than it is for the mom. Uh, I think the mom has the benefit of being with the baby for those first nine months. And I think the mom gets to feel the baby and connect the baby, connect with the baby, and just generally fall in love more with the Mm. baby during that time than dad necessarily can. Uh, there's neat dad moments in there, I think, like when you get to hear the heartbeat for the first time or the first time that they, you can see him move to your voice or kick your head while you're trying to lay down. Uh, <laughs> so there, there's some neat dad opportunities in there, but as soon as baby comes home and dad gets to hold baby, it's like, holy cow, I have a baby and mm. I'm in, I am totally in love with this thing. Awesome. I sure hope that I don't forget my wife (laughs) (laughs) because the the love is overwhelming Mm. and it's amazing. You guys shared honestly about one of the challenges with the new baby was that your daughter Reagan bonded really quickly with you, Ryan as the dad and was more reluctant to bond with you, Aaron as a mom and how challenging that was. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience and how it affected your marriage and how you've worked through that? I can kind of set the stage for it a little bit. Uh, Reagan had severe reflex issues when she was really small. And because of that, she would be up a lot at nighttime. Uh, Erin, it tends to function a little better when she has at least eight hours of sleep. And I'm not necessarily wired that way. So just part of us recognizing each other's strengths and weaknesses, I think I ended up being awake and and being with Reagan more often during the nighttime than Aaron. And that was during a time, obviously, when Reagan was not feeling well. And so I think that resulted in kind of a special bond between mm-hmm. Reagan and I that Aaron didn't necessarily have. And so as, as it progressed, I think that Reagan looked to me more for comforting yeah, issues than she did to Aaron, and I know that was really hard for Aaron to to look at and watch. Tell me about that. Aaron. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And such a learning experience, you know, because it was so unbelievably helpful um, that Ryan would be willing to, you know, let me have some uninterrupted sleep and um, just help my brain to function. But then the downside of that was just this challenge in the bond between um, she and I. And so, oh my gosh, I just, I wonder if I can even articulate fully the amount of heartbreak that came with Mm. just seeing, 
you know, I mean, just being so thrilled that my daughter is bonded to her dad, obviously, and being so thankful that I have a husband who would really help with that kind of stuff. But then at the exact same time, just the amount of heartbreak in just wanting so badly, you know, to have this bond with your daughter that, you know, she would come and, you know, just be with you when she's sad and you could comfort her and just those, you know, things you expect when you think about having a baby. And so, um, you know, just in terms of the challenge that that created in our marriage and, you know, as she got older, she started really being, um, very moody and very anxious and just kind of all over the place. Later on, we find out she has celiac disease and it made a ton of sense. I mean, just so much shifted once we took gluten out of her diet, her, you know, she mellowed out a lot and she and I really were able to bond. But looking back on that, just the amount of emotional upheaval that caused for me and wanting to, you know, I would go through times where like, I would just be so mad. Like I was just so mad at Ryan for being like this, like, why are you so awesome? Like, this is just terrible. And then fighting with myself, like who in the world is mad at their husband for being so wonderful and having a bond. And so, you know, just having to figure out, you know, of course there were times where I projected it onto Ryan and was mad at him about that. And then, you know, having to take a step back and say like, man, I have to get, you know, I needed help myself. So definitely I was in seeing my own counselor and working through stuff like that. So having to take care of myself on that end and then just learning ways that he and I could communicate through that as well, that I could share, Mm. you know, some of these things that are going on for me. That's nobody's fault. You know, it's obviously not Reagan's fault. It's not Ryan's fault that this is happening, but there is this heartbreak that's happening right here. And so figuring out how to navigate my own emotions while not blaming my husband or having it impact my family was, it was wild. It was very wild. Thank you so much. The, the expectations, Mm -hmm. right. For that experience of mothering and of fathering and parenting, they're so big and we've painted stories in our head about what it's going to look like. And then when it doesn't look like that, it's so painful. And I connect with what you say, um, Aaron, when I was pregnant with my first, I had a blood clot, which can be life threatening. So they told my husband, uh, your husband's going to go home with a baby. And my husband said, no, we're going to keep the baby at the hospital with, you know, with my wife, Amy. And they said, well, it's $500 a day. So my husband said, the, hu- the baby is coming home oh, with no. me. You know, that was compelling. So he took our baby home and he had no experience with kids. But in the course of those days that he was home with the baby, he had been with a friend of ours who gave him a video, the happiest baby on the block. And he learned all these techniques for comforting and soothing a baby. And he came back to the hospital and he said, look at this, Amy, you know, I can rock the baby and shush the baby. And he had all these skills for calming a baby and making the baby happy. And which was amazing, like you said, but I also felt like, wasn't I supposed to know this? I'm the mom. And it was really took a big step for me to decide I can learn from you. If you know something that's working, I need to humble myself and to be able to learn from each other Mm -hmm. and let each person be an expert or have a good new idea in parenting is such a useful tool. You know, my husband's really good at um, connecting without words And I tend to prefer connecting with words. So he was great in the baby years and intuiting what the baby would need. And that was harder for me. I do better 
as my kids became verbal and having patience and listening and processing verbally. So it does stretch our expectations of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be good at and those gender stereotypes that we can have in our head and sometimes punish ourselves with or have, you know, mommy guilt or, um, and I know some of our listeners might not relate to that. Maybe they, as the mom did all of that early parenting and, um, maybe the dad was either disconnected or busy at work or just had a more traditional role. So every experience is unique, but I really appreciate your authenticity and sharing what that, the, the surprises of that first baby. Now, right now you guys have a two and a half year old named Reagan and a 15 month year old named Brooklyn. What was it like with baby number two? Um, I think baby number two came with um, a lot of surprises too. I mean, it was already, we were kind of shifted into that role, but um, with baby number two came all of the wild transitions. I decided at that point to um, step away from my career that I was in um, at the counseling center. And I just loved this job with all of my heart and the people that I was with and, um, you know, but just really felt, felt torn all the time you know, between spending all this time at work and not with my not, kids. Not to interrupt or cast light on it. <laughs> when she says torn, I mean, we were torn every six hours. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. I'm staying. I'm never <laughs> leaving. Again. Why would I do that? No, I'm coming home. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That reminds me of a scene in the movie Tangled when she's trying to decide. I love that you scene. Know. <laughs> I love it. That's, I think I've referenced that before in some of our conversations. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was another one of just the roller coaster pieces of just being, you know, being so torn between things. And so baby number two, then I left my job that I loved and just, man, so much grief came with that. So so, so much grief, stepped into a new position. And then, um, soon after Brooklyn was born about five weeks, um, she wound up in the hospital with a kidney infection. Turns out she had all kinds of, um, issues with her one kidney. So we were dealing with that, which felt really big. Um, and then dealing with, you know, Reagan and, you know, she's kind of wound and everything. Um, find out pretty soon after that, that she has celiac disease. And so we're kind of left in this really intense space of, you know, me not being in a great space myself because I just had another baby in my hormones a wild and I just left my career and, you know, wild like that. And we have all these medical things going on. And so, um, you know, that was a really, really intense time in our lives. How did you find support for yourself, Erin, in all of those challenging transitions? Um, definitely. I mean, Ryan, like I said, he's just such a rock through everything. And so he's always, always been there to support and lean on. So I leaned on him a ton. And then, you know, obviously I've, you know, as a therapist, I highly, highly recommend always being in therapy. And so I am myself. And so I always was, um, visiting with my counselor cause there's only so much poor Ryan can, um, <laughs> you know, take of all of this and there's just so much to work out in my head. And so, um, you know, and just the amount of sleep that I was able to get with Ryan's help. And so just a balance of self-care behaviors and support and processing, um, you know, we really just kind of figured out a way to get through it and only, you know, looking back on it from this perspective were we able to see exactly how much we went through in that short amount of time because I think during the time I don't know that I really realized everything that was happening besides that it was just you know intense 
Well, and it, it took me a long time to get to be this perfect rock, Because right? <laughs> We'll use the term perfect loosely. <laughs> right, air quotes when I say perfectly. But, I mean, we had a lot of fights during that time. Erin mm-hmm. would come home before she'd left, but while we were trying to decide, and she'd be like, I want to quit my job. So I'd just look at her and say, I, we're in a spot you can do that. So do it. That's easy, right? Yeah. Easy enough. And Aaron would say, well, that's not exactly what I want or what I need from you right now. I need you to listen to me. Mm. And, and I need your opinion and, and, and your it, thoughts. Yeah, and it took us a long time to get to where, because uh, when, when we're in the middle of this stuff, I think it's really helpful for me to understand if Aaron wants me to just listen to something mm. or if she wants my opinion on something or if she wants me to fix something. Mm. Uh, just given my nature and my job, I tend to try to fix things. Okay. So from all that the, all the time. law perspective, right. let me fix this. And from the therapist perspective, yes, and I want just him to hold space, which is the most therapeutic term that nobody but me ever <laughs> understands. I feel like so just not fixing it, but just I want his I want him to just fully listen. But then also, I mean, he just has such a level head and such a great perspective on so much that I want his opinion regardless of what he thinks I want to hear, if mm. that makes sense. Cause his opinion is just so, you know, I value it so much. And so that was that really, I mean, just overall has been something we've been working towards um, then and now still is just how to communicate like what I need in the moment and how to, you know, get what I need from him and how to help him to understand what I'm saying. So making sure that I'm communicating effectively, if that makes sense. Some of the things I'm observing right now, Aaron, is your respectful speech towards Ryan honoring his opinion. And then also our listeners can't see this, but as Aaron was sharing about those difficult times, Ryan was holding her hand here and just that loving presence and touch. And just to see how much in the four years of marriage, which is really not that long, you know, you brought two human beings into the world and you've really grown as people and had to let go of certain things that were really precious, like freedom and independence and careers and embrace things that were wonderful, like these two lives and things that were challenging, like major life-threatening health concerns and sleepless nights. And so you've really been on a journey and a roller coaster of intensity and emotion. And I see the vibrancy of what you've built through these trials, that you've laid a good foundation for the years to come because you've got 50, 60 years of marriage. That's a really long time. You've been at this just four years, but you're building a solid foundation. So tell me some of the things that you guys have done to be intentional about building a good foundation in this pressure cooker time that takes so many couples down. Well, I guess to to look at some of that stuff, I think it's important to kind of go backwards too, because uh, if you're in the pressure cooker now, and you know pressure eventually makes diamonds, right? Mm. So it, it's kind of cool to look at some of the pressure that we've got now, and then look at some of Erin's past and the things that she was focused on, and then to go all the way back to where I first saw Erin. Mm. Now. 
I, I think that there was a really cool plan in place mm. when I first saw Erin and there was such a strong connection of me to her mm. immediately that said, go find her and marry her. Wow. And so I find her, I marry her, and then I end up with this woman who is very focused on her fitness and her diet and her health. And then another year down the road, I have a child who is in a position that she needs strict adherence to dietary issues. And who better to take care of my child mm. than my wife who has spent 35 years perfecting her, her diet and working out and taking care of her body, which translates perfectly into my daughter is going to be raised in a household where she will know exactly what is going to be good for her to eat, what to stay away from, mm-hmm. and things that she needs to do to, to take care of her diseases. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when you're in this situation, it's really important to sit down and recognize that there, whatever's happening, there is definitely a plan in place for that. And, and I think you need to be intentional at times at, at looking for kind of what that plan is going forwards and backwards mm-hmm. so that you can see that. I see you expressing a sense of God's sovereignty and God's providence in your relationship. And although you're meeting each other is by all means not normative. You know, most people don't say, <laughs> I'm going to marry that person. They don't know. <laughs> it's unique and special and beautiful and God did uniquely knit your family together mm-hmm. and provide parents that could meet these challenging health needs and raise these beautiful girls. And I think that's one of the things, I mean, so we got into the Cherish book, which is this new study that we're um, into just last night. And it was talking about one of the ways to really cherish your marriage is to, you know, identify, like you said, God's plan through it. And that was kind of part of what we talked about last night. And, you know, looking back over just the beautiful things that have happened, you know, when you are in the middle of the pressure cooker, it's so easy to just get focused on like, you know, the stresses and the things that are going on, but, you know, being intentional with looking back at your story, you know, having opportunities where you can, revisit those things that you like loved about each other. Cause every time, you know, he tells that story, it just makes me, you know, excited all over again. And so, you know, just getting back to those places where you can retell those things, um, the things that were beneficial in your relationship and helpful. And, and like I said before too, it, it hasn't always been easy. Uh, there were many nights when Aaron and I would sit down to talk about things. And I think we would be, on the same page that we would be heading at least in the right direction, but we would both be saying it in different ways or, or interpreting it in different ways. And we would just miss each other and miss each Mm. other and miss each other. And I, and I think that got a little frustrating for us and running around in circles. And so I, I think that we kind of looked to some of the other studies, the lifelong love one, and the five love languages one to figure out how to better communicate with each other. Awesome. So I hear you saying that the couple studies that we offer on Sundays um, during the last hour of church service have been a resource for you guys and providing some language to talk about some of these challenges, providing other people in the room who are having similar challenges who can normalize that experience. What other things, in addition to those couples' book studies at church, have been a resource for you guys? 
So we, you know, as Ryan was talking about, just, you know, even when we were doing everything that we could to communicate effectively and to get through things, there was just a level where we're like, okay, this is not happening. And so we got a counselor as well, somebody that could sit down with us as a couple um, and just, you know, having that third party uh, sometimes. Via Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> it's 20, this is COVID it's world. 2020. <laughs> sit down on the computer with us. Yeah. Yes. Via Zoom. Um, and just, you know just help us give us skills and tools. And that was so helpful because, you know, what's funny is even just, I felt so close to Ryan, even just being in those sessions, because again, that's an opportunity to mm. kind of re cause they ask you like, how'd you guys meet all this kind of stuff. So it's an opportunity to retell those highlights of your relationship. And then also just discovering what's happening in the blind spots, you know, that we're, mm. we're trying as hard, you know, we have all the skills we know to have, we're using all the things we know to use and we're still missing each other. And so sitting down and talking with a professional who can, you know, help us identify those places where we're going wrong. And man, I've just, even in a couple of sessions, got, um, some really, really helpful things to help me identify some things that were happening for me and then give Ryan a common language, you know, because me as a counselor who lives in feelings all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's just, I personally live in feelings, professionally live in feelings and, you know, being married to somebody who, um, thinks very black and white, right? I mean, the law is black and white. And so giving a common language that we could communicate with each other was extremely effective for helping me to identify those places that I was needing to, um, shift some things and having him be able to point that out in a loving way, you know, was, was really super helpful. And I want to just normalize this practice of seeking help through effective counseling and Christian counseling for marriages. I think sometimes, especially in the past, there could be a stigma around that, but professional counseling has been a key part of my marriage as well with Darren. And we have sought help at certain ages and stages of our marriage for seasons. And it's really helped us to get unstuck. Yeah. When you're stuck, you're stuck. And you, when you reach that limit where you can't figure it out anymore, it pays to pay to get help. That's right. Yeah. I loved, I heard an analogy one time that the best time to fix a leaky roof is when it stops raining, mm. you know? And so that to me is, you know, and I've told Ryan and I know he's really thrilled about this when I told him the first time his eyes got really wide, but you know, that I would like to be in marriage counseling for our whole marriage because I just see it as a tune up, you know, and an opportunity like, you know, we can either deal with the things we have going on now while they're little and adjustable, or we can let things go and keep trying and trying and trying until we have like walls of resentment between us mm. that we have to eventually get through as well, you know? And so I think, you know, that's another reason just seeing it as kind of a tune up is um, extremely effective as well. So, well, awesome. As we wrap up here, what advice or encouragement do you have to young couples that are in this time of having babies and having toddlers and just feeling the exhaustion and the relational conflict and challenges that you guys have been working through? What words of hope would you have for them? Uh, the first word I would give them is it is really hard to break those babies. So no matter what do you mean by that? No, no matter <laughs> how much you think they need you, they will be able to survive with four to eight hours without you. Mm. Find somebody to take them off your hands for a little while. And you two just need to go be you two. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's overnight, the babies will be perfectly fine. They'll never know any difference. It might actually be the best night of the kid's life, and it'll be one of the best nights of your life that you've had for a while. Awesome. So I hear you saying to prioritize the marital relationship, that the babies and toddlers will not suffer mm-hmm. if they have a babysitter or grandma for a, a weeknight or a weekend. That's right. Yeah, definitely. And I think also, so not only intentionally spending time with each other, um, but also just practicing non-offense, you know, mm-hmm. practicing being on the same team as each other, you know, just realizing we've realized lately, especially that both of us, you know, have opinions about parenting and about life. Both of us are probably right. And so it's just mm. a matter of figuring out how to, like, it doesn't always have to be my way. It doesn't always have to be Ryan's way. And neither person has to win. It's a matter mm. of coming to a conclusion that works best for both people where you both, you know, feel heard and understood. And then, you know, moving forward with a decision because both people probably have a lot of great things to say. And so just um, helping to come to compromises that work for both people. Awesome. Well, I just want to affirm you guys as you are looking to that win-win in your relationship and showering each other with mutual love and respect. It is such an encouragement to see what God's doing in your lives and the way you're persevering. And we just want to Speak that blessing over all of our listeners today. We just ask that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you in your marriages, that you would have courage to love and to extend grace and to extend forgiveness, and that that might be the greatest investment you could give your children is a loving marriage that goes a distance. So as we sign off today, take hope and take heart. Our God is good, and he put you together for a reason. 